So uh, it's great that you've uh, been willing to come and uh, share a little bit with us about what's been going on. So before we kind of get into the kind of focus of the story, um, I want to just tell us a bit about, about who you are. Where did you, you come from originally and uh, latterly? Well, we, we originated, well, we spent most of our lives in the Lake District um, in Windermere or, or near to Windermere. Um, as you can probably tell by the accent, we're pretty northern. Um, not as north as some in Scotland, maybe. Really. Keep going. Um, so I was born in Preston, moved to Windermere when I was five. I've spent a lot of years there. Why uh, the lakes? Why the lakes? My mum and dad moved and took me with them. <laughs> by default. <laughs> you know, that's a good enough answer, that, wasn't it? Um, my, my dad had a business and he sort of got to the stage where I decided to um, move on from it and they loved the Lake District. They spent many years in the Lake District so they decided to move to the Lake District. So, um, so yeah, so I moved when I was five um, and you moved when, how many years ago? Where are your origins? I brought up in Cumbria, South Cumbria initially. And then when I was eight, my parents joined the London City Mission. So we moved to London from when I was eight. Um, I hated London, and I vowed as soon as I was old enough I was going back home, um, which I did. Um, but I stayed in London till I finished school. I had a year in Bible College, which was a fantastic year. And uh, Where was that? Cliff College in Derbyshire. Great, yeah. And uh, I went there mainly because my dad had gone there, so I guess I kind of followed him, really. Uh, he encouraged me to go. It was a great year. And uh, I moved back to the Lake District, which was where I met David. How did you meet? Through work. Through work. I was, this, is, this is where we check the stories the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually... Did I employ you? Kind of, yes. <laughs> Yeah, she, 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 she took over, I got promoted, um, as sometimes you do, and basically you took on my old job, something like that? Yes, I did, yes. Great. Um, that was in Windermere? Yes, yeah, it was. But David wasn't a Christian at the time. Um, when did that happen? When did you come to faith? 1986. Um, um, I, I worked for a Christian company in Windermere, um, and um, and they had a, a marquee, um, a, a Christian um, outreach event. Um, There's a, 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 a minister, I always remember his name, Reverend Jim Cheers from Blackburn, good old Blackburn. And, and he came to do a mission, for a week-long mission at um, Windermere, um, at the place where I worked. And I just, I was um, 18, and I think, something like that. And... I'd gone through the stage whereby um, I'd sort of broke through my, into my later teenage years, started drinking, a bit of smoking, so I thought, you know, that was it. But I realised there was more to life and I was missing out. So I, I, I'd previously been to see Billy Graham at one of his um, outreaches and things like that. So, but then I, I went to see this Reverend Jim Cheers and just, I basically just fell on my knees and just realised that without um, Christ, I had nothing. So... There and then I gave my life to the Lord. Brilliant. Wonderful. So you met at work on... on yeah, I was say, I became a Christian when I was eight with yeah. my, my brothers at my parents' bedside. 
um, with my dad. Um, and I always knew that I wouldn't marry someone who wasn't a Christian. And David admitted afterwards that, yes, he did like me, but he knew he wouldn't, I wouldn't go out with him. I don't know how he knew, but he knew that I wouldn't go out with him. So as soon as he became a Christian, we started going out. Fairly soon. Fairly soon afterwards. Not, not yes, like the day after. No. <laughs> Just to be above suspicion, yeah, okay. <laughs> no flirt yes. and convert on that yeah, one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Fantastic. So you said you, uh, you, you kind of got married. So what, what yeah. year, when were you married? 1987. Eight, 1987. Yes, we'd been going out two and a half months when David asked me to marry him. And then we married about 10 months later. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Quick mover. Well, yes, he was. <laughs> when, when you know something in life, sometimes you just need to go for it, don't you? Absolutely. So I remember talking to you, and you said that just before you got married, something changed and that that's been for a long part of your life something that you've you've that's been kind of colored the the nature of life and the tone and texture of life yeah I was always very fit very healthy played squash out and about didn't really like sitting still I was always really busy and active and very very active in the church and um, a few months before we got married I started to feel weary um, got seemed to get tired easily and couldn't understand why. I had no idea why, but I just kind of shrugged it all off. So you're about in your twenties, is that right? Well, do we just got? I do, no, it was just before we got married, and um, so, and you're so then roughly how old, how old in your twenties? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, um, what happened then? So you're saying just before you were beginning to get tired, you began. Yes, to get that's right. Yes, so yeah. I kind of threw that off. Um, and then just five weeks before we got married, I just suddenly collapsed at work. And they called the doctor who came and said, oh, half an hour, have a rest, you'll be fine. Um, but I was actually off work for the next five weeks. And I did improve a lot in that time and thought I'd kind of got back to normal. We got married, went on honeymoon, everything seemed fine. I went back to work and then within a short space of time, like, two or three months maybe, I started to go downhill again. And, and then just, it was gradual, down, down, downhill, very slowly. I went backwards and forwards to the GP so many times, so many blood tests, blacked out practically every time. Um, I was just so weak, and he just kept saying, it's a virus, fight it, it's a virus, just keep fighting it, carry on working. So I am a bit of a fighter, I don't like giving in, and so that's what I did. Um, but I just got to the stage where I can remember thinking, I wish I'd get hit by a bus. Then I would land up in hospital. Then maybe someone would take notice and do something. Uh, I can remember getting to that stage. And at that point there, I was at pretty much at rock bottom. So it had been going on probably 18 months. And so what's, been... what are you thinking? It kind of, I guess your mind plays tricks on you and you th maybe think all sorts yeah, of thoughts. What, yeah. What's kind of going on inside at that time? As newly married and all the kind Gosh. of prospect of life ahead. I know. I, I honestly can't remember. I really can't remember. I, I think, really, because it's unknown. You know, if, if you look, hindsight, 30 years looking back, and you know what it was, then it would have been a different story, wouldn't it? But it, yes. you just thought at the time, you just thought, oh, well, Do what the doctor you'll get says. better tomorrow, maybe. He, he knows. I guess I just believed him. Um, and then 
in the end, David's mother got me in with her GP, even though it was out of, I was out of the area. And he saw me, I think it was about the Tuesday. And by the Thursday, he had me with a specialist in Lancaster who said, you've had glandular fever, and because you haven't stopped, it had developed into ME by that stage. And it had gone so far that really there was no going back. Um, and so that just began 30 years of illness. So what, what are you, David, seeing? I mean, obviously you've seen the physical and you're newly married. And what's, what's that like? What was that like for you, those, those, that first two years? Well, I suppose I was, I've always been a, a positive sort of person. I've always thought my glasses are always half full. And I thought, you know, you know, whatever, whatever it is, we'll, we'll, we'll fight this. We'll, we'll you know, we'll, we, we had prayer for it. We, we had people, pe- um, the ministers, and would pray for her. Um, and, and I just thought we would, you know, we'll get through this and move on. We, you know, we just got married, but we got a lot of our married lives together. So it was only a, a blip, really, and the future was going to be rosy. Okay. So Cheryl, so year progressed to year, progressed to year. What's that like? In the early days, I guess I just thought I'd just get better, I'd be fine. I would just fight it. My body was young enough, I'd, I'd get over it and I'd be okay. Um, but it wasn't to be. Um, and this, Unfortunately, I guess it's so long ago that there's so much I can't remember. I even asked David, what was I like before I was ill? Because I don't really remember. Um, so much I don't remember actually I guess I just kind of went from one day to the next just hoping that something would come up doctors might find some cure I honestly don't know I'm afraid but one one year we're just rolling to the next year and you know and you just just hope that next tomorrow the next week would be better uh, and it wasn't and we, we would go searching for Medication, basically, you know, we spent thousands of pounds on pills and medication and tests, Privately. all sorts over mm. the years. Just in a, in a hope, in an effort to try and find some some answers, really. Yeah, and and you know, you had prayer numerous times. Yeah, it was, of yes, times. it was really. It, I think as time went in the early days, I don't really remember. But as time went on, I can remember it was always like, maybe tomorrow will be better. So I'd go to bed and I would sleep 10, 12 hours. But I'd go to bed absolutely devoid of energy, completely and utterly exhausted. But I would wake up the next morning exactly the same. There was never any change. And I would just hope, maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and be better. Maybe tomorrow. And sometimes it wasn't even a day at a time. It was hour by hour. I could see some improvement, and then half an hour later, I'd be back down, mm. down there again. There was never any rhyme or reason. It was just a daily battle, and yeah. I had a lot of prayer over time. Mm. It was a roller coaster. It was very much you a know, roller coaster. Some days were slightly better than other days. Some days were really bad. Some days weren't too bad. So, you know, it wasn't like a gradual improvement. No. It, it would be like this. You all think, the time. Maybe I'm doing a little better, and then a day or two later, you'd come crashing down. Um, 
It was just a daily battle, wasn't it? And year it? after year, that was the sort of year after year way it went. The hoping and praying and believing that maybe that I'd turn the corner and things would improve. And I had a lot of prayer over time. Um, and one that specifically stands out for me was I'd gone for prayer. I'd missed. I'd missed. I'd spend time completely like bed bound, or I would transfer from the bed to settee for a change of scenery just so that I could be in the same room as the children, because we had two children, by the way, in the middle of it all. I had stages when I would improve, and I did have two children, but I can remember with our first particularly, I overheard the midwife say, I don't know how that girl's going to cope when she gets home. And I was kept in about two weeks, and I can remember thinking, how am I going to manage? In my naivety, thinking they'll take him off me because they'll see I can't cope. And then I would improve a bit, and then I would just come crashing down again. But I'd gone for prayer, particularly one, I think I hadn't been at church for three or four years at that stage, I think. I'd been out of church, and completely incapable of socialising, getting to events, or days out with the children just never happened. It was just living from day to day. And I'd gone for prayer, and I said... You know, I really need some prayer. I'm struggling so much here. And the guy was one of the leaders in the church, and he looked at me and he said, you know what, Cheryl? And this sort of stands out so much for me. And uh, I thought, I know what's coming here. And he said, Cheryl, he said, you're like Paul, and you have a thorn in your flesh, and you need to learn to live with it. And that absolutely rocked me completely and utterly gutted by those words because words can heal and hurt they can you know they destroy or they can just have the opposite effect and words of hope help you cope and how true those words words are and that day I decided I would never ask for prayer again which I never ever did and I would never ever give up I couldn't give up for the children's sake for my family's sake for David's sake for my own sake I couldn't give up, and so those the two decisions today and, and that day, and I, I, I stood by them, and I just firmly believed with all my heart that one day, just one day, the Lord would heal me, and I had to believe that, because if I didn't, I'd have given up hope, and I had the choice to make, either choose to give up, which would have actually been a far easier option so many, many times, um, or choose to keep going and eventually, hopefully, gain the victory. So what, what kept that kind of mustard seed of faith? You said, I'm not going to... fire inside me that couldn't be extinguished, I guess. Just yeah. the Lord yeah. in, in me. She was amazing. You know, through all that she was going through, I, I still, to this day, knowing and seeing what she was going through, to know that she still had that faith and belief knowing that one day that she would be healed. I did suggest to David on a few times, a few occasions, when I was particularly poor, why don't you go and find someone fit and healthy? And his words were always said to me, I married you in sickness and in health, and I'm not going anywhere. And he would just cuddle me. And there were times, I used to cry, cry an awful lot. I would cry probably every day, cry just in sheer frustration mm. at the whole situation, I would get very upset. And I can remember at times too weak to even cry. I would, he would just hold me, wouldn't you? And I, just the weakness 
I just couldn't shed tears. I was just so utterly exhausted. And then we'd see some improvement and then it got right. downhill again. Yes. So year becomes year becomes year. Yeah, yeah. How did you end up in the Cotswolds? We're not the Lake District. Uh, you moved here and you found us as a church. What, was that, what caused that transition? Well, we moved quite a few times. I don't know how we managed it, but we quite, moved quite, quite a few times in the Lake District because in, in Cheryl's despair, she, she got... She, I hated the four walls. The really. four walls. She couldn't live with the four walls and the it. memories of her illness. So we, we often had to, I had to move her to a different place because she felt that that might be the start of a new day. It would help part of the, mm. the healing process. Um, it never did. It never did. It never did. It, it helped for a while, then it just went back down. So, but, um, yeah, I would... I'd cho- relapsed again, hadn't I? Yeah, go I'd on. I'd relapsed again. And at that, you came home from work one day, and I, I said, I can't do this anymore. I just felt utterly at the end of my tether, and I said, I can't do this anymore. And that's when you decided to make some changes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our children moved down to London to, to live and to work and to settle. So um, that was part of it. But, but, but it, we'd been coming down to the Cotswolds on holiday for a few years, off and on. And, and it just there was something about the place to us. It felt like it was maybe part of our future. Um, and, you know, when Cheryl got to that point as well, she said, you know, I can't cope anymore, you know, enough's enough sort of thing. So it was a case of, part of the case was, you know, we move a bit nearer to the children, that might be a bit more support. Um, and I just felt it was probably time to move away from what we'd known, the area we'd known, it was time to move on. So... Um, I said to you that, you know, it's time to move on. And you said, but what about your job? I said, well, even if I have to go and find a new job, I'll find a new job. But I said to my um, my manager, my owner, my boss, I said, we're moving. Uh, we need to move. Um, I understand if you want to find someone else uh, to do my job, which is fine. And no, he said, no, I want you to stay. If you can make your job work from where you're moving to, make it work. So I said, right, okay. And it was just like the Lord opened up, just rather than pushing the door, the doors literally just slammed open in front of us. We sold our house in 10 days. The job was just, the job position just opened up. And sometimes you push the doors, but it was just like everything just slammed open. We'd never experienced anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we just felt so clearly it was time to move on, and it was everything was so simple in that process. Yes, it was. So in November 2016, uh, we got the removals in, filled up two cars. Um, we parked one car at a train station, Oxenholm's train station. Um, you came down with me in one car. Then I went back on the train the next day, picked up the other car, and drove it back down. Because so. at the time I couldn't drive. No. Yeah. So you moved to near Broadway and yes. um, you happened upon us somehow. Yes. So you, you moved still poorly. Yeah. Went down further hills yeah. again following the move, yes. Yeah. I so mean, one of your first times at Camden, you, you, know, you actually collapsed in the middle of the meeting, didn't you? Yes, I did. I think Phil was... Can you remember? Yeah, yeah so yes. we just, you just wanted people to know 
who you were, so. Yes. You remember that, yeah. The children were used to it. Yes. Yeah, they were. But, uh. So, what what changed? How, what what happened? I was sat in the meeting because you were speaking, Edward. I, I wasn't good at all. We, and, and even when we came, we think we'd been three times on holiday, but when we came, it was a, it was quite a, we had a lot of planning, didn't we, to, to get me on holiday. And if we got out maybe twice in the week for an hour, so it was always like, if I was doing better, it was like this window of an hour where David would take me out for a coffee or we would do a little bit of something. And when we came on holiday, it was always like this little window. And probably a couple of times in the week, we would go out for a little while in the afternoon because mornings were just a write-off, really. Um, And so the one thing I wanted to do, because I missed so much church, was go to meetings. So that was the one thing that we did do. We would come to Camden. And uh, we'd been moved two and a half months I'd gone downhill, I was struggling again, and uh, I wanted to go this particular Sunday morning when we were there, and um, Edward was speaking on Mark 5, the woman with the issue of the blood and Jairus' daughter, and I was sat leaning up against David, and in fact, he'd he'd even said, let's go home, when we were traveling to church, and I said, no, I want to be there, he said, you're not good enough. And I said, no, but I want to be there. And I was sort of laid back in the car thinking, this is so stupid, girl. We should just be back at home and rather be under the duvet. And um, But I was determined to, to be there. So as Edward was speaking, I, was, I think I was kind of leaning up against David with my eyes closed, just listening. And as he was speaking, my heart was going faster and faster. And uh, it, was my, it was thumping harder and harder. And the more he spoke, the faster and faster it got. And it was like welling up inside me to such a degree. I thought, I really hope he asked people to go for prayer. And sure enough, at the end, he started to say, if anyone would like prayer, and I was kind of out there before he'd finished his service, finished what he was saying, because I couldn't actually contain myself anymore. And I went for prayer. And uh, two or three people prayed with me for quite a while. Susie was one of them. And uh, something happened that morning. The Lord healed me. Um, it was, it's just taken time to get strength back in my body because my body has been so weak with 30 years literally of, of inactivity. It's amazing. So it was. It was amazing. I remember Susie sort of speaking to me on the door. I remember the morning very well. And um, you, you know, coming out and saying, that Lord's healed me and rejoicing in that. But I know that's kind of, this is now a couple of years ago, three years ago. Yeah. So David, I know you said at one point, it's like having a new wife. Um, how, what does that mean? What's that meant? Well, I mean, was it the 12th of February 2017? Yeah. 12th of February 2017. Mm-hmm. We, got, we, we know the date. It's almost like an anniversary for us. Yes, it? it is. And it is. I mean, you know, He's struggling to keep up. That's what yeah, he's wanting but, to say. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but the, the miracle happened that day. It was so clear. So, I, you know, a miracle happened, and it was so clear because up to that moment, year after year, there was this roller coaster of, of ups and downs, 
medication, hundreds and thousands, not hundreds and thousands, but thousands of pounds of, of, for, for medication and we would be up and down. But that, for that morning, the Lord did something miraculous in her life and, and she's living proof to me. You guys probably don't know her the same as I know her because you've not experienced her 30 years, but I can see firsthand that I've got a new wife. And, and I have got a new wife, and, and she's a completely different person. Is she better than the old one? <laughs> in sickness and in health, is the... <laughs> the... The problem is, you get used to being in a certain box. Yeah. You get used to 30 years of being in a certain box. So for us both, it takes us... It takes us time to adjust to it. So even though it, it's miraculous and it's sex, so exciting, to actually get out of that box and live a different life is, is, is quite different. Um, yeah, and you, you kind of think, if I'm healed, that's great. I'll kind of carry on where I, I left off. But as time has gone on and you're out of that box and in the real world, because... I've just kind of watched the world go by. I have no life experiences to draw on. I've lost most friends because people sadly do, with long-term illness, they do back off and they leave you. So I lost friends. And so now it's like starting life again. It's a fresh start. Who am I? What's my role in life? What's my purpose? Um, how do I make friends? How do I do life, really? It's, it's almost... I think I've, I've found this more and more as time's gone on over the last two years, that it's not as simple or as easy as you would imagine. And I actually find aspects of it quite difficult. I remember Adjusting. Been, no, I remember there's been little milestones on the way when you... I remember you came and you said, this is the second service oh, yes. of a day. Yeah, yeah. And you'd never done two services yes. in a day. And then your daughter got married. Yes. And being part of that down in London, right. a big day. And yes. How would you be? Yeah, we had that carefully planned, didn't we? With a hotel right next to where she was getting married for four days because I needed so much rest. And then I could go it, during the wedding day. I could keep going and resting because that's what I would have had to have done gone and laid down for an hour, then gone back maybe for an hour, then go and lie down. That's how it all worked. Um, I didn't need to do any of it. I was absolutely fine. And, uh, I mean, since, since the 12th of February, you were, you were slightly fearful afterwards because you thought, mm, is this another false dawn type thing, yes, false dawn? Yes. I'm going to dip again. But, but from that day onwards, it's been fine. Absolutely yes. fine. Yes. She, she's not dipped. She's not had one bad day. She goes to sleep well, she wakes up well, wow. she's full of energy. She's, Even though she's a bit fearful this might happen again, it's completely different. And, yeah. and, the, and that day, the 12th of February, you know... Amazing. It was a miracle. That, a miracle happened at Chipping Camden yeah. Baptist Church. Incredible. Why? In, the school, in the school hall. Yeah. Yes. In, yeah. in the school hall. But we still got questions. We got questions why the Lord chose that day mm. and... For 30 years, why she struggled for 30 years, why we struggled for 30 years with, with this illness, and why three months after it bringing us down to Chipping Camden, did he then choose to heal her? Mm. Which we are, we are really pleased about, but why? I, I grieve for the 30 years, prime years of your life that I've lost, that I can't get back. 
I grieve for the times I couldn't do with life with the children and do normal things with them that other parents can do. Um, and I don't know, I just missed out so much on, on life and just the children, really. Mm. Um, but we bought a couple of new sofas just recently and um, I sent a picture to the children and our son texted back and he said, I'm so glad you got rid of those old ones because they held so many bad memories for me. Mm. And you don't realise what they are thinking and what they are keeping bottled up to themselves. But he's very thoughtful, very sensitive, but he had obviously been, you know, affected, and affected by that. I mean, there's a lot of resonance in, this, in the sermon I was preaching that morning. We were journeying through Mark's gospel and about Jairus's daughter who was 12 yes. and died. Yes. And the woman who had bleeding for 12 years. And I was talking about lost years, wasn't yes. I? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's right. And why that day for those no two? Idea. But it was but Jesus was there. No, but our children are both walking with the Lord, which was which is wonderful. Um, we went. I think one of the worst stages when I went through about four years when I didn't get to church, and David would go on his own, and I would curl up under the duvet, crying. I did that after the children had left, but David took them to keep them in the church with their Christian friendships. And obviously that was the right thing to do, but I hated him leaving. I would cry under the duvet, um, but it was the right thing to do. Yeah, it was difficult. I, I mean, I, I could see she was crying before I left, but it, it was really difficult. Some of those days, those days then were really difficult, but praise God, he, he, he healed you, and he, a miracle happened. And, and what you were saying this morning about Persistent yes. in prayer. I mean, you know, mm. it was obviously very much connected with asking us to speak tonight, because you know you had tears in your eyes, didn't you? Because you know that's that's what you have been doing. You have been so we have been so persistent, persistent. in prayer. We've never given up. Um, but particularly you, particularly you. At times, I struggle because I could see my wife really ill. And you're on you're on the leadership of the church. Yeah, there. yeah. yeah. And I, I could see my wife really ill. And I would be praying, I would be praying, but as the years went on, at times, I struggled to believe that one day she would be healed because it had been going on so long. But bless her, she, she never gave up. She never gave up And herself. you never complained once either? Never? No. You never complained, did you? Just get on with it. <laughs> no other than that. Anyway, so... To keep on keeping on. Do you know on. what I've loved in getting to know you and hearing all the well, aspects of your story is, is the little snippet, I mean, not of the insights of what it is really like, both in wh- what you were like before, but just in just seeing the joy of, of, of the, you know, like coming to the second service of the first time you played the guitar in the evening service. The, all the new steps of talking about finding life again. And it's, it's not easy. And I think no, that's, no, it isn't. No. But there's lots of, it's almost like a child, really. You're doing... In fact, at times I feel a bit like a child because little things excite me, things that you would just, wouldn't even think about. But the excitement, it's just little steps forward and little steps I've done. Like I text the children, I drove for half an hour today. And I just, I can't think offhand, but so many little things that were insignificant to you but meant so much to me that I could actually do these things now. And I just, 
just gradually doing more and more and more. And then sometimes I'll say to David, so what are we doing today? And he said, I need to work. Yeah, fine, what should we do later on? <laughs> well, hang on a minute. Let's, let's just wait and see. And I just want to be out and about doing something every day. And I've got a little job. It's only a little job. It's a volunteer's job that I've just started, dispensing medications to housebound people. Yeah. So I, I'm, I've just done that three times now. But it's just a little something that I can do. Um, but and but you the, know, just little ways that you, yeah. you volunteered to help Kate with the yes. parenting for faith and being in the kitchen and washing up yes. and serving. Yes. I love doing that. Which is just brilliant in, the, yeah. in what that's now able to do and join in yes, and Yes, it's just something so small and insignificant, but I just love doing it. I just love being part of it and feeling useful. Because you've never been able never to do been it, able to in, do it in the past. So mm. to you, it's, 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 it's great. great. And um, you just want to do it, don't yeah. you? You just yeah. want to be involved. And yes. You don't take health for granted. No, not it, it's, at all. It's a precious We've got a lot of catching up to do. We're doing our best. Has prayer life changed? Or, you, or is, is, obviously you've touched on very little thankfulness, but um, and opportunities opening up. How's, how's it look following Jesus now in that new learning? I think I pray for people a lot more, particularly people who aren't well. I think because I had so many time, so many years on the sofa. I couldn't do anything else, but I could pray. And so gradually over time, I started to pray, spend my time more and more praying. So I couldn't concentrate to read. I couldn't concentrate to, to watch TV. I couldn't concentrate on anything much at all, really. And in fact, I couldn't always concentrate on, on praying. But I did pray. And as time went on, I started to pray more and more, particularly for people who weren't well. And I guess I've got a greater empathy for people who struggle with poor health a greater understanding um, but I guess from that point of view more praying for people I yeah, think you, yes you, cer- you certainly you, 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 know, you, begin, you see someone who, who's got a need and, and you can you can connect with them because yes. of where you've been mm. so you know she, she sees things and wants to help people that I, I've not even thought of because that's just the way she is and where she's been and which is really which is really good it's so encouraging to hear this inspiring story. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, uh, amen. Yeah. Can, for me, for I, me, yeah, for, for I, me, I think um, when I reflect on it, or when I think about your story, I'm so delighted for you. And and it reminds me, as I reflect on the, what happened in that occasion, of the power of, of the scriptures, of the story. And, you know, Phil and I are called to preach many of us have that opportunity but to as you talked about when someone spoke negative words to you they can destroy but actually the word of god brings life and and the power of that is such an encouragement for me in what we do week by week to know that god's in that yeah can i just say that whatever situation people do find themselves in to never ever ever give up if i had have given up i wouldn't be here now that's for sure But never, ever give up. Just keep trusting, keep hoping, keep believing the Lord for your miracle, for your breakthrough. And just just keep on keeping on and never, ever give up. Mm. Fantastic. I just wonder if there's anyone got a a particular question they might want to ask, put you on the spot even more. Uh, I didn't warn you about that. I just thought if there's any question you'd like to ask that something's been... You don't have to. 
Yes, yes, I've made the made the news known, yeah, to even to non-Christian family members, um, but yes, yeah, certainly to people back in the lakes, and they have actually asked us to go back. Probably in the spring we'll go, and um, they've asked me to go and share my testimony because they know the history, um, and they've seen us. Um, so over the years and, and seeing the situation we've been in. So, yes, we'll be going back in the new year and sharing my testimony there. But, yeah, they, they do know, yes, word has got round. Thank you so much for sharing, honestly and profoundly. Let's just pray. Um, and then Zach, band are going to come back. Jesus, we, we thank you that for your your goodness and your goodness in Cheryl and David's life. Uh, There's a lot of unknowns in their story of of why 30 years. But thank you for persistence. Thank you for that deep faith of resilience that said, where would I go but Jesus? And I thank you for that February when you healed and you have brought a fullness of life that they could only just only glimpse in their imagination for Cheryl and for David, for their family. Thank you for their willingness to testify to your goodness. Sharing this evening. And uh, I pray that you'd continue to unfold your, your plans and purposes for them here in rebuilding life, in opportunity to serve. In all that you have uh, favored them with, we pray, yes, Lord. And I pray that what Cheryl and David have shared this evening would bring like a lifeline or a heartbeat that is increasing. And we pray your healing and your breakthrough wherever that's needed. And even those that are listening in at some point online, I know there's, there's many who access these, that through these words of, of truth and powerful testimony, you would do even more things through that, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you're a good saviour, that you're the healer and the restorer. Holy Spirit, add to these words your blessing and favour and life again to those that are hearing. In Jesus' name, amen.